Hi, everyone. Welcome to the ImpactVest podcast, transformative global innovation in a new era of impact. I'm Aisha Williams, the founder and CEO of ImpactVest. And along with our guest host, we aim to inspire and motivate towards collective positive global impact to solve our world's most pressing challenges in sustainability. With each episode, we will engage in insightful conversations with global change makers, visionaries, and sustainability activists who wish to build a more sustainable and resilient future. Join us now as we create the future of impact. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. I'm Aisha Williams, the founder and CEO of Impact Best, and I am here today with Hakeem Jimo, who is a vegan entrepreneur and the founder of Veggie Victory, which is Nigeria's pioneer plant-based food tech company. And he's also an Impact Best portfolio company and a member of our Impact Best Alliance. Thank you, Hakeem, for joining us today for our podcast. It's really a pleasure to have you on today. Yeah. Hi, Aisha. And thank you for having me here. Hi, everybody. So it would be great to learn a bit more about your background and the inspiration behind founding Veggie Victory. Oh, yeah. Um, It goes back to um, where I grew up, and that was uh, northern Germany, actually. So I'm um, my mother is German. My father is Nigerian, but I was born, grew up in Germany. That was in the 80s, 90s, uh, already a couple of uh, um, funny food stories came up. Maybe some of you remember the mad cow disease and foot and claws pest. And, and something was telling me, I grew up on the countryside, on a farm actually, but it was a crop farm. And I said, there's, there's something wrong here, but I had no idea of any vegetarian or vegan concept. It came later at the university in Hamburg. Suddenly there was the alternative meal in the cafeteria and then I met some people. Yeah, and uh, I carried that to um, West Africa, where I moved uh, in 2000. By then, I was a vegetarian. Nobody was talking about vegan, you know, I was still vegetarian. And then ultimately, in 2013, that's uh, almost now 10 years ago, I started with my co-founder, um, Veggie Victory as a vegan restaurant, the first vegan restaurant and technically also vegetarian restaurant. Um, there was no vegetarian restaurant, no vegan restaurant. We actually had to call it vegetarian. So people had an idea of what it is. They had no idea what veganism is. So it started as a, as a restaurant, really because um, we wanted to do something for ourselves. We couldn't eat the food we wanted to eat, like uh, Nigerian food, but veganized. We have um, really fantastic Nigerian meals, the flavors. but Everything is um, meat infused or uh, crayfish and no really vegan options. Of course, that's when we can go deeper. Many African dishes are by default plant-based like beans and plantain. But once you go into the stews, you know, there's always um, something in it. And uh, that is what triggered it. And um, and then Veggie Victory was born in 2013. And then um, we realized, oh, we need more products here, um, hardly any products. And then we developed Vichons, and it's the first commercially based um, meat substitute. Yeah, and here we are. In now yeah, and I imagine going from uh, launching a restaurant to products was, was a leap there, right? And so how did you find the transition from running a restaurant to launching the chunks and being able to focus on products that are meat alternatives, right? And really addressing the lack of protein, right? This 
protein deficiency that you speak about on the African continent, right? And so, so what was that transition for you? Yes, like I think often in, in an entrepreneurial journey, you don't really know what's coming up in, in a few years. So um, Veggie Victory as the vegan restaurant, it wasn't really a business model designed to um, make a startup. And I pretty quickly knew um, restaurants to scale, that is tricky. And that was really not the intention. It was really like, we are mission-driven. I want to eat the food uh, I like, you know, like suya. Uh, it's kind of Nigerian barbecue delicacy and um, so many fantastic things, but there were that no options for me. And I said, there has to be. In a, in a city with 25 million people, in a country of 200 million and doubling in, in the next 20 years, uh, there has to be somebody like, uh, like me, like us, um, even if it's the returnees or, um, I mean, and then quickly we realized there are, there are lots of people that want to eat healthier and health is the main driver. And then the, the, the story became bigger Then oh, shall we, um, at, actually at some point we were thinking, should we open more restaurants? But that is one business model, you know, um, quite tricky in a country with a lot of uh, infrastructural challenges. You have to rent places and then electricity and, and everything. Or uh, is there maybe a need of products? And, um, and that was, uh, decision was quite quickly, there are no products. Because in the restaurant, we noticed even to get a, a plant-based burger patty was a challenge. Sometimes we saw some products coming from abroad, but uh, then it stopped for months. And it was not really the right products for the Nigerian way of cooking, African way, like in stews. I always say we're not really a burger land here, you know, so we need other forms of uh, meat substitutes. Yeah. And then uh, that idea was born and it took us another couple of years to develop the product, get it certified. And then it became uh, from a restaurant business to a product company. So that was a quite big step. And, uh, and at that point, I could also tell um, this is more than just a hobby business, you know, the restaurant where I'm eating myself. I always said, you know, even if I'm the only customer there, I'm fine, you know. Um, but with the product company, you could tell there's much more um, opportunities. There are investment possibilities, you know, um, scaling. So and then it uh, eventually became a full time job and um, yeah, mission. Yes, and to be able to really address the need for healthy lifestyles and plant-based lifestyles, right? That you are really making the connection between having a more plant-based diet and having a healthier lifestyle and being able to produce the products that lead to the healthier lifestyles and that that we need, right, to, to build a more sustainable future. And how do you see V-Chunks really wanting to address this need, not only in Nigeria, but across the African continent? Do you feel like people are ready for meat alternatives in terms of their daily diets and cuisines? What do you think is needed to really make the full transition to a plant-based diet? Yes, and I think the the story even gets bigger. You know, it's from a personal need to you see there are some other people that want to have a healthier lifestyle. You know, a lot of things have changed in the last couple of decades. The um, people want to eat healthier, and then also the environmental impact, which is 
I think most of us have not really understood it at this point. You know, we are talking about solar energy, uh, electrical vehicles, but it is actually the food that is the by far most critical component if we want to have a, a fighting chance saving this planet. You know, I think, uh, I, and I also speak to lots of people, uh, investors, it is not yet on their radar. Impact investors, international organizations, they're just about to understand that if we continue um, this unhealthy planet aggressively fire diet then we don't we don't even stand a chance it's not about saving energy or uh, it's everything comes together but if we leave out the food aspect it's like um the war is over before it has started um so coming to your question like uh, there's a lot of awareness needed i think we have a good chance because luckily the health is uh, a big part of that people realize that their personal health individual health is um, important i think also with the covid everybody has understood it and people make the connection to the food they eat you know it's uh, basic things i think everybody knows but we're not we're not living like that it's a big change uh, from um, an animal based diet to a more plant based diet and there are a lot of steps in between we don't need to become all vegans at once but um, definitely it's about um, reducing animal protein and in africa in particular preventing because um yeah if this continent is uh, exploding in terms of population we can't just continue the same mistakes like in in the developed world so um huge opportunities and would need much more firepower more companies innovations and then definitely uh, also policy change healthier school meals um it's a lot i can go on for hours with that it is often a very multi-stakeholder conversation when we're speaking about all of the changes that we need in sustainability and impact to really make the impact that is needed to build a more sustainable future to be able to really see all of the different verticals and opportunities that are there in terms of food production agriculture that we can make as investors as other stakeholders uh, to be able to support many different entrepreneurs in this space and you brought up policy which i think is very interesting because uh, you were speaking about having to certify the chunks and how was your experience actually working with the policymakers when you were launching the chunks do you think that there needs to be more support in that space or what would you need as an entrepreneur to be able to speak to the policymakers in terms of either launching your products faster or being able to receive the certifications quicker right is there anything that you would need from the policymakers in that space that that you think is needed in the plant-based space well we are a startup and uh, um we are scaling and so it means also we have to pick our battles you know um policy politics is a big thing here in africa 
And I guess everywhere around the world, um, I'm speaking to colleagues in in Europe, the European Union is also a beast. You know, it's not there that you go there and everybody is, uh, <laughs> you're running into open doors and when you're coming with your plant-based message, not at all. Same in America, there's a lot of resistance. You know, um, I think it's safe to say big food and there are lots of interest, billions of dollars. And um, you're not going to change the uh, the system without um, stepping on some people's um, toes. Africa, in a way, it's easier. In another way, it's more difficult. One thing that is good, it's we don't have that subsidies like uh, billions of dollars uh, into animal factory farming. Uh, we don't have that. At the same time, we don't have this support um, or any. It's not really only uh, alternative protein companies. Uh, the private sector in general has a, um, a, a tough stand here in, in Africa. The infrastructure is lacking and we know we're basically on our own. We can't wait for the government. There's no um, financial infrastructure. Getting loans is uh, almost impossible with interest rates over 20%. Um, so it's very business unfriendly. Um, I believe that's where the chance uh, and the future opportunities are. So we are um, growing in the private sector and, and with, directly with customers. So we're not waiting for any government contract uh, where you have to lobby for years and then um, um, you waste your time. But uh, we are directly going to the consumers because the people in Africa, they uh, they need solutions, you know, and uh if you if you're struggling with the inadequate health infrastructure, no very few hospitals, too expensive. But people have the same um, lifestyle diseases like anywhere else. They they need solutions. So we see response there. Of course, change is always. Uh, uh, everybody wishes it would be faster, but it's doable. So that's where we are. And then uh, more attention is coming. There are some international organizations like um, ProVeg that is trying to influence the policy. You know, that is then really going to the to the government and state, federal, talking to health ministers. Yeah, because it's it's a connected world. If, for example, if the World Food Program is having a mandate in, in Africa or in Nigeria, why can't we go there and say, okay, what about uh, going more plant-based? And even there, you can see a lot of interest already, you know? <laughs> yeah, let me leave it at that point. But uh, lots of opportunities working directly with um, end consumers. And I think that's where the traction is. And then at some point, definitely, um, we have to face the government. I mean, the um, the climate um, summit was just in, in Egypt. Uh, I think if we want to have institutional change, of course, you need to have a policy change. Right. And the policy changes are really only going to come into effect by kind of maybe pressure from, from the consumer side. And so kind of starting from the end consumer and the demand that comes from the consumer for plant-based uh, products and meat alternatives will then cause changes in policy, right? Um, and starting with the end consumer, what has been the feedback? You've had incredible traction with Veggie Victory. And what has been some of the feedback that you've looked at and has really surprised you or kind of taken you on kind of a different product path, right? Because that always happens. We launch into the market and then the market gives us feedback that we didn't expect. And um, I'm curious about the end consumers and any pivots that you've had to take or any 
comments that they've made that you said, well, the, well this is interesting to be able to implement it in, into V-Chunks as a product. Yes, I, I think I can really say I love working in this market. Um, I wouldn't choose another one. It's the key market of the future. You have to see Nigeria in perspective. We are growing to 400 million people in, in 20 years. By the end of the century, um, it's projected that we are a billion people. So we are in the in the top league of populated nations. So it's not like you're in one small country uh, and uh, here it's really impact, you know. And I always say, you know, it's great if in the Western world we, we are reducing animal meat and even there it's a struggle. But the real challenge is going to be in countries like China, India and Nigeria, because if people start eating meat, even if you reduce it in the developed world by 1%, you are, you're not making it. Numbers are simply against you. So why I love uh, working here in, in, um, in this market is people are really still curious. You know, it's, and there was a, I came across a report from China. It said 40% of uh, the Chinese population don't know about meat alternatives. And it's exactly the same in, in Africa. So it's not like you're in America and people are saying, oh, yeah, I don't really want to eat a Beyond Meat burger. It's not, it doesn't have the same color and the, the shrimps don't have the same rose color. And people here are actually really open and uh, they can't believe. So I always love this um, meeting uh, customers and they say, oh no, you can't tell me that this is not meat. It's meat. What meat is it? You know, and that makes, brings always a smile on my face. And I can see people are really looking for, for new ways. So it's more about bringing it out because um, reaching the consumers um, in, in Africa, it's, it's not easy. You know, there are no distribution very very fragmented distribution channels and um, yeah, the awareness thing. Um, but uh, I think it's very rewarding. And, uh, and I actually believe that it's, it's probably the future market of uh, alternative proteins because we have, people are not yet, I sometimes say spoiled as in the developed world. They, they are probably ready to make that leapfrog from eating not much animal protein, but then going jumping directly to plant-based protein, similar to um, telephone. So we didn't have many landlines, so we immediately jumped to mobile phones. So I think um, we can ultimately have a higher market share for alternative proteins than than in the developed world. Yes, and I agree. I do believe that the future of alternative proteins is on the African continent, right? Um, because it's... It's where we have the highest need for protein alternatives and, and a, a real kind of need for health, uh, really the benefits of a plant-based diet, right? And this connection between a healthier lifestyle and a plant-based lifestyle, I find very interesting because we're not only talking about the alternative proteins industry, we're also speaking about the health industry. So have you been able to speak with any different companies in the health industry and maybe speak to them about the benefits that they see and partnering with you in terms of offering plant-based products and alternative protein products? I think we are still very at the beginning of um, transforming the the society here. You know, um, obviously there are lots of challenges here in um on the continent and it's uh 
it's not only health, you know, it's uh, often just to even feed people, you know, um, even huge organizations, like I mentioned, the World Food Program, there were more for a couple of past decades, more thinking about giving enough calories to people. And now it's uh, in also considering, yeah, what about the right nutrients? You know, that is uh, also a new shift. So the food tech startups, um, I think we also have to see our um, our influence at this point, you know. Well, <laughs> what should I say? It's uh, lots of uh, uh, challenges. Um, the corporates, I think people are just realizing how important it is to have a healthy populace, you know, because you can't build a company or even a nation and then you have a, a mortality rate in the 50s. Uh, I tell corporates, I mean, you want to compete internationally, uh, Germany is thinking of uh, increasing the, the pension age to 70, and your people are, by that, they're dead for 20 years. I mean, what productivity increase are you, are you considering? So there is, uh, um, I can see a lot of corporates have health weeks now. Um, the thing is, they don't know what to do. They know that uh, healthy food is key and, uh, of course, also exercise. But then where are the parks? Um, to exercise, you know, um, a lot of things come together. We have picked the diet. I think um, food is at the beginning of uh, a lot of things, but there will be a tremendous shift in, in the next uh, couple of years. I can see it already. Ten years ago, nobody was talking about food, you know, and, and now people are realizing how important it is. And uh, everybody in uh, here in Africa has uh, an uncle and auntie that has blood pressure that is needs a kidney dialysis. And that can wreck a family at once, you know, because we don't have the, the, the hospitals. Everything is imported. It's an incredibly expensive. You don't want to deal with uh, dialysis in, in Africa. So they know they have to eat healthier. So it's just for me a matter of, um, yeah, offering these alternatives um, getting big enough so more people can uh, be aware. And then um, ultimately it will, uh, we, once we reach the critical momentum, it will happen, you know, because I don't see a good outcome in if we just keep on doing it the same old ways. I doubt it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this is um, what I speak about quite often with my colleagues is that the old ways have brought us to this point. There's a need for a shift in terms of how we think about how we want to invest as investors, how we want to actually engage other stakeholders, uh, what are the important verticals to invest in? Like you were saying, Hakeem, that food is often overlooked and it forms the foundation of our lives, what we, we all eat each day. And these are the subjects and, and the verticals that are really important to speak about with policymakers, with investors, with customers, and with companies all together, because it's the only way that we can start to change the narrative of what it means to invest, not only as an impact investor, but as an investor in general. What I always hope for finance and investing is that all investors can become impact investors because every single area has an impact on our daily lives, especially on the African continent, right? And so this is the, the, the first step here to see how interconnected all of these areas are in terms of health, in terms of food, and also for investors to see the interconnectedness of 
how they invest and who the end consumer is and the ripple effects of the investment also. So how do you see the future of the industry in terms of scaling? You said for the distribution channels, uh, that's quite a challenge. What are the ways that you feel that that can become easier for you as an entrepreneur and as a company to be able to scale not only within Nigeria, but across the African continent and internationally as well? Yeah, I think um, it's still the alternative protein is still um, a young industry globally also, um, even though um, products or um, ways to do it exist for hundreds of thousands of years, um, it's question of definition, but the way we are doing it now, uh, this meat analogs that really um, mimic meat, it's uh, relatively new also in, yeah, in the awareness. So um, it, we, are, we are dealing uh, here with the fast-moving consumer goods industry, and there are some um, rules in it, you know. Um, so for me, it's clear if it's an FMCG product, and we, we want to reach the mass market because um, there's no impact without scale. We need some certain mechanisms, you know, and uh, it's clear. Somebody said, if you pump enough money into marketing, you can sell anything, you know. Um, yeah, uh, so definitely uh, what that tells me is um, we need a bigger watch chest because if your product is going to be in every village, you need this distribution resources. So uh, there's no way around either growing to that level uh, that you can um, do it yourself. But it's, it's investments, strategic partnerships. There are some big players. I think we have seen it in other industries already that formerly um, big stakeholders, let's say the fossil industry, which is reminds me often of the alternative protein. You know, everybody knows today that fossil fuels is the past you know there's no good outcome here um so we are looking at renewable energies um same for for me is the the meat industry there's uh, it's we are probably a few decades behind that but it's going to be the same thing if you want to have a biodiversity like it was discussed in montreal you cannot have factory farming it's it's the opposite there will be probably alliances between um big dinosaurs of the past but who have that distribution network because it is critical if you're dealing with um, consumers. Yeah, and then uh, we'll see how um, how the investments is going. Um, can some alternative proteins do it themselves or do they need to align? Um, it really depends also on the market. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not in that aspect, it's not rocket science because uh, there are um, known ways how to reach the consumers. Yes, and it really just takes time. I think often in the impact industry, it takes the conversations like we're having today to be able to understand all different aspects and facets of the challenge we're facing and the time horizon. And this is why it's so important um, to be able to speak about the multi-stakeholder initiatives that we have to create to be able to have the conversations to accelerate the progress in the industry, right? Because if one side of the industry is very much focused, like you said, on maybe maintaining factory farming, and then we want to really have a type of acceleration in alternative protein, it's going to be quite difficult. Um, and then if the health industry is connected to this acceleration, it's even more difficult, right? And so it really takes all of these stakeholders being able to work together to have the conversations 
to really amplify the message. And this is what we're so excited to focus on in our Impact Best Alliance here that we have the CEO Roundtable on the 18th of January. And we'll be speaking about all of these different subjects. It's very important for me to be able to have the conversations so that investors can really understand what it actually takes to be a sustainability and impact investor. It really involves knowing all of the different facets of the conversation and understanding the challenge and how complex uh, the challenge we're speaking about, right? But we're here, right? We're able to really see the future of alternative proteins and we're able to see the pathway towards building a sustainable future, right? And, and it kind of just takes the conversations to get there. It was really a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Hakeem. And I hope and I am visiting Lagos that I can eat some V chunks and be be able to eat in your restaurant also if you still have it open. <laughs> and it would really be a pleasure. And I wish you a very, very holiday. Yes, thank you. I um, really enjoyed this conversation. It's very important. It's part of the process, um, letting more people know about it. Um, and uh, we'll get there, definitely. Well, thank you very much, Hakeem. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Impact Best podcast, transformative global innovation in a new era of impact. Join us next week for another episode and become part of our Impact Best newsletter community, where you will receive all of the latest updates about our work in this new era of innovative impact finance. See you next week as we create the future of finance at Impact Best.